Welcome to the Conversations with Anna podcast. My name is Dr. Anna Stump, the Golden Ticket Professor, a self-proclaimed edutainer. I'm a former business executive turned high school teacher turned college professor. And in the past three decades of that transition, I have spent time with several generations. And with that as my foundation, I have some stories to tell. In each episode, you'll hear stories or interviews that will help you focus on your own truth. I want you to feel accepted, motivated, supported, and then I want you to be able to take what you know about yourself and your truth, go out into this big old world we live in and apply that so you can move forward with a strategy for a more authentic life. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to a conversation with Anna. It's early in the day, so much I want to do. I dedicate today to breaking rules. I'm gonna stick to a strategy. I'm gonna find out exactly what I'm made of. Is there really something wrong with just smiling the whole day long? Welcome back to Conversations with Anna Stories to Move Your Life Forward. I give you the extended title of this podcast because the word story is in it. Story has always been a very important way for me to communicate. I think I have appreciated stories from a very young age because of the storytellers that helped raise me, specifically my grandmother and my dad, very prolific storytellers. It was how we educate, how we entertain, how we motivate and help others is through story. And I've always been very passionate about storytelling. I include it in a lot of the courses that I teach. I'm teaching two grad courses this semester, one of which we will spend a couple of weeks on how to tell stories, the origin story of an organization, of ourselves, how to communicate with people through story. And I think that pulling the thread from the last episode where we discussed authenticity and self-monitoring. I think story fits perfectly with that. And I wanted to do this episode following that one because I think the one thing we all need to be super aware of when we're doing self-monitoring are the stories that we tell ourselves. How we recount, how we piece together stories in our mind as we self-talk and work through things that we're thinking about. And a good example of this, obviously, we hear a lot about, you know, two people will be standing at the corner where an accident happens. And as both of them are interviewed for an account of what happens, they're never the exact same. Because we have a lot of previous experiences, different sets of knowledge and skills and perspective uh, that we carry with us in our cognitive selves, in our bias, in just life in general that tend to seep in when we're telling the stories. And when we think about the stories that we tell ourselves about what's happening in our lives or what's possibly happening in our relationships or with other people, we have to be very aware of the fact that we piece together gaps in our knowledge. And we frame that in a way that makes it make sense to us. So the stories that I remember the most are the ones that are most believable to me, the ones that make me feel a certain way, or that made me laugh or, you know, in some way stood out. So when we think about the stories that we tell ourselves, we don't really tell ourselves stories 
for the same reasons we would tell other people's stories, right? It's not a communication thing. It's nothing like that. It's really, truly how we think. It is a biological human factor that we are wired to tell stories. And again, we do it in our sleep. It's how we dream. It's how we communicate. It's how we piece together things in our mind. And I see this a lot with people, I'm super guilty of it myself, where when you don't have enough information, and this happened last week with one of my former students who had applied for a job and hadn't heard anything and reached out to me and was like, I just don't think I got the job because they're just blowing me off. I haven't heard anything. And I'm like, well, that could be, or it could be that these people in human resources right now are just really overworked and they just haven't gotten to you yet. Like, why are you catastrophizing this in your mind? And admittedly, the person said, well, I don't know really much about this whole process or what HR people do. Exactly. You do not have the information. So what you're filling it with, those gaps of knowledge to complete the story, you're filling it with things that are convincing and easily for you to buy into. And that is, this company is blowing me off. I do not have this job. Again, that doesn't mean necessarily that that's not the case. And I, in some ways, I think that is a defense mechanism for people to just go to like the worst case scenario. And then if anything between the best case and the worst case happens, you're like prepared for it. I do that a lot, kind of a, you know, defense mechanism type thing. But none of what that person was feeling was based in any truth because they just did not have the information. But as humans do, we start to fill in gaps and fill in things to construct some sort of a narrative based on past experiences, perspective, interpretation, or again, you know, kind of self-preservation. It's just your perspective. It's not the entire truth. It's not the whole story, but we tend to adopt that. And if we continue to tell ourselves stories that don't fully match with our reality or how we're present or what truthfully is going on out there, then I think that is what starts to shape how we get to know ourselves, accept ourselves, love ourselves, and then feel compelled to go out and share your gifts with the world. And remember, that is what I consider your golden ticket is knowing your value understanding how you fit into the world and how you can go out and make it a better place because of who you are. And I think when we look at just human behavior coming out post pandemic, and what it has meant for us to be in a different form of communication and access to people and not being in the office for some people and not having a typical interaction with a group of people And having to do that self-monitoring and self-awareness at a level is we are somehow shaping our narratives a little bit differently. And you compile onto that what I consider to be like the fact that, you know, you've seen those little uh, memes, like we are drowning in information, but we don't have knowledge. Like there's so much data and information out there. We are just like just overloaded with information And what that has done with social media and even, you know, movies and TVs and entertainment, whether it's Spotify, whatever it is, the amount of competition for people's attention has gotten so intense that we've seen like it has to be sensational or fake news. It has to be algorithm driven. It has to be somehow the loudest voice or the most repetitive narrative 
something that's really comfortable to people or compelling enough that they will click or stop scrolling or whatever that is. And I think that that is a consequence of this attention economy that we're in, that we are losing high quality information, that we have, again, way too many other forces going on other than just organic attention, you know, seeking inputs. So when we think about how that works, when we have our phone in our hand or remote control in our hand, that is training our brains. It is training our brains for when we start to talk about stories and tell our own stories to ourselves, our voice that we use to tell the stories to ourselves. We are also trying to take that newsfeed approach and share things with ourselves that are all of those things, comfortable, sensational, outrageous, dramatic, and that feed into how we're already feeling. I believe that to be true. I think we've all seen it. It's why we call it like doom scrolling. You know, it's why we call a lot of this stuff out because we know it's not healthy. But are we self-monitoring? Are we making sure that the stories we tell ourselves are so rooted in the truth and have the voices of other people? Because... If you are the author of your story and your story is about you, that is a memoir. Those are your memories. If you are trying to have a narrative rooted in facts and truth that is a story of the environment around you, it has to have other voices. Other people have to feed their perspective and their input into that. I can tell you for a lot of things that, I mean, again, I've seen these things on social media. They're kind of funny where you know, women always ask men, what are you thinking about? And then we get frustrated when they say nothing. And then men are showing up going, it's true. <laughs> We're really not thinking. Or you've seen the memes of like, the guy laying there thinking about like his fantasy football quarterback and the girls like, oh my gosh, he's probably thinking about how much he loves me or whatever, you know, like, we cannot just assume other people's voices and their perspective into our story. We have to make an effort to experience the world without interpreting it and allowing other people to speak into our narrative and giving their voice just as much volume and impact as our own voice. It's a very difficult theme to break. It's very difficult process in your mind to detect, especially on your own, and to correct So the detection and the correction of this may need to happen through therapy or having like your personal advisory board or your tribe or your bestie or whoever it is that you can talk to because you need good, healthy inputs like I did for that student and say, you don't know that that's what's happening. Well, I know that's, I don't know, but I just assume, right? Because, and it's easier to just set myself up for disappointment by going ahead and making this assumption early that I didn't get this job or whatever that is. So we constantly have to think about how we are balancing the information that contain views from different perspectives. If they're, you know, people that we trust, because here's the thing, we 
know ourselves and listen to our own voice so much that it's easier to believe that voice because we hear it all the time, right? That's your echo chamber. We talk about that a lot in society today with people that only get their news or information from one source and how detrimental that can be and how people need to seek out the alternative information sources and really weigh the facts. You have to do that with your self-monitoring and the stories that you tell yourself as well. You have to think about people that have a different perspective, different background. As much as I dislike the fact that, you know, I had to make that realization at age 21 that my mom was right a lot of the time (laughs) because I'd spent 20 years not believing that, that she could not possibly have any understanding of the life that I was living. And really she didn't, she didn't grow up the same way I did. She didn't grow up in the same time I did. And I was having different experiences, but fundamentally that woman knows me and she knows my habits and she knows the forming, you know, experiences that I've had. And she knows a lot about how she can come in with a different voice or a different perspective to at least make me think. The minute she opens her mouth, I don't have to agree with her or tell her she's right or that she's right and I'm wrong, right? But her giving her perspective makes me always constantly stop and pause and consider. And that's really important because that disrupts those narratives that are on a constant loop in my head. Same thing with my husband, same thing with people at work. And I have to be aware of how, where did this story come from? Why am I telling myself this story? Is this truly, what evidence do I have of this? Is this fiction or nonfiction? That's sometimes really important to ask yourself when you're thinking about those things. Because whether it's something that is so emotionally charged and personal to you, it is going to start to be your your passion. It's going to be something that you believe and hold on to so tightly. And that's why when we talk about self-talk and journaling and therapy and, you know, having open, vulnerable discussions and making sure you're using good boundaries, all of these things I've talked about, everyone talks about when it comes to positive mental health and good self-reflection, self-awareness, and authenticity is making sure that you're managing all these things in the most healthy way, because this is an evolution of how you root out behavior in yourself and in other people that are patterns that are unhealthy and that cause you to not be living the best version of yourself or be living your best life. And There is a great TED Talk by Michael Shermer. He is a science writer, and he talks about we are pattern-seeking primates, and that we learn through association. We We believe things through association, and it is our ability as humans to connect the dots, and we find meaningful patterns in the world. And that's important because it protects us from danger and maximizes our chances of surviving things. So if you're walking through the woods and you hear something in the leaves or in the weeds, your first goal is to think, where can I go? Because that is probably, you know, like an animal or something I need to be afraid of. Like there's probably not somebody with the Powerball numbers lurking over there in that bush. Like This is probably something that I need to have a plan for right away. That's a story you're telling yourself based on the noise that you heard, right? That is a good survival instinct. But being conscious about those things, the stories that we tell ourselves 
can be, again, from a good, protective, following your gut, listening to your instincts, whatever, you know, thinking about, oh, I trained for this. I'm out here walking in the woods and I hear a noise and now I have to look for these, you know, signs of, you know, where I can go or if, if this is something I can climb a tree and get away from. Like, whatever it is, you probably have some sort of training or experience with whatever this is. But knowing, and knowing when you walked into the woods, you might encounter some sort of an animal or an enemy or something. I don't know. But there's all of this like pre-staging that happens when we go into these situations. So being conscious of the stories that we tell ourselves can be healthy. Understanding that that is coming from patterns of previous information, patterns of your thoughts, previous, you know, behaviors and experiences and things that pour into you and understanding how you can help that manage like unpredictability or changes in the world or your resilience. As long as you know you're being authentic and that you're paying really good attention to how you're filling in gaps and letting other people speak into that. And giving them the ability, because that comes back to like having those really good, healthy boundaries in place and trusting the people around you that you're not, you don't have the narcissists that we've spoken of in other episodes, or you don't have the people that you feel like if they speak into your story that you have to somehow parse through what they're doing to serve themselves or to serve you or what might be true or what might be hurtful to you. You need to have those people where you can let your guard down and not be in a defense mode and listen to what they have to say about whatever the story is. Why do you think this person called me to say, I turned in this resume, they called for my phone screen, and now I haven't heard anything for two weeks They called me because I'm the one, sometimes I'm the hype girl, and sometimes I'm like, well, yeah, like a lot of people are behind right now, or it could be they've made their decision and they're not going to ever get back to you. Companies are bad about that. Like you can't take it personally. And they also probably need me to say, look, you're not going to apply just to one job. What other jobs are you looking at? Like, let's have some, let's get off of whatever this poor human resource person at the other end of the story you're telling me. Let's move on to what you can control. That's why I talked about Covey in previous episodes. Let's get in our circle of control. We don't know that person's story. We do not know the story of what is happening on the other end of your application. What we do know is that you're not hearing from them right now. So what are you doing right now to help secure employment? Sometimes people need a voice like that, that will like snap, clap in front of their face, get their attention, redirect them so they can go on about their day. I need that a lot. My husband is so good at that for me. Like so good at that. There have been times where I have said to that man, help me just redirect and refocus because I'm like, I'm just can't stop thinking about, you know, X, Y, or Z. And he's great at that. He's also extremely analytical. So if I do come to him with a story (laughs) that I am telling myself, he will absolutely pick it apart like an old carcass looking for facts. He does not let you get emotional. He doesn't let you, you know, catastrophize. He doesn't let you do a lot of hypothesizing. He is just like, no, these are the four facts we know. Where are you getting the rest of this? This is not right. (laughs) Which I have to appreciate so much having somebody like that, which goes back to, Sometimes we seek out the people who will commiserate with us and will feed the negative narrative 
and keep us in some sort of unhealthy spiral. And then sometimes we go to the person who's the voice of reason and we know who those people are. My question is, if they're not helping pull you back into the the clear perspective, into the factual parts of this story that we know and giving you the permission to understand that you can only tell the story that you know and that you have to stop and move on, what other reason is that person in your life? If they are not at a place where they are helping you with this mental health journey, this positive journey, this self-reflective and journey towards authenticity, what are they doing? This could be a boundary that you need to question. So all of these things, very super important. The thing I think is great about the way that we are prone to tell stories is that we can create new ones. Just as quickly as we start a story and as quickly as we start to tell ourselves stories, we can impact the way the story is told. Right? We can change the direction. We can cha- we can start to tell a different version of the story. It's so funny because I think about, you know, the happily ever after and that nobody likes a book that has like a horrible ending, right? Like nobody wants the hero to die. Nobody, you know, we're very predictive in how we read things and the stories that we grew up with. And, you know, just it's the three little bears all ended up like having a great time. Like it was always this really like positive spin, good moral, whatever to the story. And, but we don't do that for ourselves. And we really truly need to just be either okay with going up and then they lived happily ever after. And then moving on to something else or that story is unfinished. Oh, I don't think we're very good with that, right? We are not very good with an unfinished story and not having that control to just say, oh, I started this story, but I'm going to have to come back later when it's finished because I don't have everything that I need to finish the story because I haven't gotten the call yet that I'm either getting another interview or that they've gone a different direction in this job. I don't know what's going on with this person. So I'm just going to have to put this story on hold. Sometimes we're not very good at that. And that goes back to like the level of self-awareness and self-control that we have to say, "Mm, I'm just going to have to push pause on that and come back to that one later. A lot of times we fixate on it and we mash it around and we try to do the choose your own adventure and we're trying to finish the story and have some sort of an ending. It's usually probably not a very healthy one. So making sure that the words that you use and the actions that you take when you are doing these self-talk or self-story, or you're trying to run through different, you know, pick your own adventure type things in your mind when you're in a certain situation is very important. It is very important. Again, just like everything that you understand, these story outcomes and the way that you tell it are full of your cognitive biases. They are full of the way that you prefer to get information the way that you are focused and the voice that you and the and the feeling that you get, the emotion that you get and the connection that you get to the level of positivity and the direction that the story is going will feed into whatever is going on with you at the time. So remember in my one of my first episodes, I talked about if we say yellow car, yellow car, yellow car, we're going to walk out and into the street looking around and we're going to see a bunch of yellow cars, right? If we are constantly saying, "Mm, I just don't have enough information to finish that story versus, oh, this is because they don't like me, or this is because I'm not good enough. Oh, my boss wants to talk to me. I'm probably going to get fired, right? That type of habit-forming self-talk and storytelling 
is full of the what you are feeling. It is a mirror. It's a reflection of what is going on with you. So every positive change that you can make towards being more comfortable with yourself, more accepting of yourself, and understanding your golden ticket, like what you have to offer the world, the value that you bring, the gifts that you have, and the way in which you can make other people better, make the world better, starts with the way that you talk to yourself, the stories you tell yourself, and the amount of the positivity that you let in. Starting things with like, I can do this, or I look forward to this, or this is probably going to be great, or I don't know why my boss wants to talk to me. I'm sure I'll find out when we meet. Or if it's something that you start to notice is spiraling in your mind. Well, I wonder if it's this, or I wonder if it's this, or I wonder if it's three weeks ago when I wore two different color socks. I wonder what it could be. Just ask. Find out. Get more information. What can I bring to this meeting that I would be better prepared? Do I need to prepare anything? Like ask the follow-up questions and get more information, get more facts. Because if you know that you are going to spend time dwelling on that and telling yourself stories, and again, you think you're doing it to be ready for every possible scenario. Like, oh, if I am get fired, like, what should I be doing? Maybe I should get online right now and look for another job. Like, that is the that is the waste of time, waste of energy, and that is you telling a story that you have no idea if that is even close to the truth. So making sure that you limit the stories that you're telling to the facts that you have, and if you see that you're spying out of control in that effect, go get more facts whatever it takes, go get more facts. There is a really, truly great Lucille Ball quote that I ran into. And I think I'm gonna have to put this up in my office. Love yourself first, and everything else falls into line. You really have to love yourself to get anything done in this world. I'm going to read that again. Love yourself first, and everything falls into line. You really have to love yourself to get anything done in the world. And I believe that so much. And I also think that while that is so easy to say, it is so hard to do. And part of the reason it is hard is because we let these negative narratives and unhealthy self-talk just run rampant in our heads. And we have to stop doing that. We have to assume When somebody says, oh, I want to talk to you, go ahead and ask what it's about. And just be honest, I I need to process what you might want to talk to me about. Or can we, can you give me an idea of what we'd be talking about? And the more you collect facts and you stop the telling of stories that just get you farther and farther down. Because imagine if your boss reaches out to you and says, I want to talk to you in a week. That is seven days of you having that going on a loop in your head, either consciously or subconsciously. And then if a friend does the same thing or someone else reaches out or you have another gap in a story, you are going to start to fill it with worst case scenarios. You're going to start to fill it with things that feed into the negative you know, path that you're already on. And those are those stories that get louder and louder and louder. It's why when someone pays you a compliment, you want to have a counter argument. (laughs) We just do that. 
So love yourself first and everything falls into line. Because when you love yourself and you can do that, then you know that other people's behavior is not your responsibility. Other people's you know faults, other people's complaints, not necessarily in your circle of control. If you love yourself and you want to apologize, you think, do I really truly owe this person an apology? If you love yourself first and you're questioning a boundary or another person, you have a much more clear view of the actual factual story that's going on instead of maybe some fiction that you're telling yourself. So I think understanding the stories we tell ourselves, how we tell stories, why some stories are continuing the theme. You know, sometimes we get into a genre in our head of poor me, or they're out to get me, or I'm a failure, or I'm not good at anything. We can do that very easily. And we need to be aware and in control. And if sometimes it comes to journaling and writing that down or sharing it with a trusted friend or someone in your you know life that you have a good relationship with or therapy, that is a lot of what therapy is. If you've never been to therapy, it's asking questions and telling stories. And in many ways, the person sitting across from you is trained to notice patterns you keep coming back to this. You keep reverting to this. You keep saying this when you talk about this and this and this and this, whether it's work or friends or family, we always go back to your lack of self-worth or your lack of contribution. Why do you think that is? These are people that are trained to help you find these patterns. It is so hard to do it on your own. When people write books, they almost always have an editor. They have someone read it to make sure, you know, that it flows well and everything else because they're too close to it. And we have to realize as humans, that is the same thing with the voice and the stories and the narratives in our head. And we shouldn't feel bad about it. We should not feel bad about it. It's absolutely human nature. So as we work together and call these things out on what we can be doing to help ourselves be more authentic, to love and understand ourselves before we can go out and really truly make a difference and impact other people in the world. I want you to think about the stories that you tell yourself and find ways to identify patterns and themes and help yourself write better stories. Thank you guys for listening today. Love hearing from you. You can find me at goldenticketprof.com anytime. I would love feedback or thoughts on any of these episodes. Thank you and go have a great day.